Man, it's great to be a part of the mission of God and, and hear and be reminded of what he is doing around the world and to be reminded that that's what we're supposed to be about here, that in the midst of our daily lives and jobs and relationships and families, that that is what we're about here. And I hope that you are inspired in your own mission today and reminded of that. Um, but we are gonna continue in our study of Sabbath. Um, and if you're new with us this morning, we've been looking at this idea of Sabbath, this biblical challenge of Sabbath that I want to talk with you about this morning. But I was uh, driving this week and I was listening to some Christian radio. You know, I've been fasting media and fasting uh, food with many of you, going towards Renew Conference and, and just, it's amazing how God works in that. But a part of that, I was listening to some Christian radio, listening to some worship music, and this, this commercial came on from the radio station. And by the way, before I tell the story, I'm not down on Christian radio. There's all sorts of wonderful things they do. But this ad came on and it, it resonated with what we've been talking about. They kind of started and said, hey, do you feel like you are too busy to spend time with Jesus? And I was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And they're like, do you feel like you just don't have any energy left to get into the Bible at the end of the day? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And do you just feel like your life is so crazy that God just gets squeezed out of it sometimes? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we have the solution for you. I'm like, sweet. And they say, in seven minutes a day, if you download our app, you can have time with Jesus in his word and meet with God for seven minutes a day. And I thought, no. <laughs> That's not the solution. Finding ways to cram more things into the cracks of a busy life is not the way, not the way to satisfy the problems of a busy life. Right? We will never satisfy the longings of our souls by chasing immediate impulses. We won't. And, and our world is full of impulses that keep us busy and booked and exhausted and burnt out all of the time. And then we use that as an excuse to say, God, I didn't have time with you. I, I can't hear from you. I don't know where you're at in my life. And, and I'm not shaming you for that. I've fallen into those same rhythms where I'm like, God, where are you? And he's like, I've been here all along. Where have you been? Where have you been? And as I, I've thought about some of those issues in my own life, I've come back to the biblical invitation to Sabbath. And as I've studied, I've realized it's more than an invitation. It really is a requirement of God to spend this kind of time with him. It's something that he's called us to, created us for, designed us for, and that we cannot flourish without. And so that's why I've been inviting you to join me and my family on this invitation to Sabbath, that once a week we take 24 hours to push pause on our problems and productivity. The things that we wanna spend our energy on, the things that we don't wanna spend our energy on. Put pause on all of it and push play on God's provision and presence. Push play on being with God and enjoying the things that God has given you in life without feeling the need to chase something that he has not yet given you in life. Right, that when we spend time Sabbathing like that, pushing pause on all the work and pushing play on God's presence and his blessings in our life, we are rejuvenated and restored in a demanding and exhausting world and we are reminded of the eternity that is in store for us as we live this life out for our king. But Sabbath is a little bit of a hard thing for us, isn't it? I mean, for many of us, it's the, the minute I say 24 hours, you're like, I'm out. What was that seven minute thing you were talking about? Can we, 
Can we lean more towards, can we average it out somewhere between seven minutes and 24 hours? Because if, if you're like me, the minute you hear you just need 24 hours, you're like, oh, that stresses me out. It feels like pressure. And in some ways it's pressure, but it's pressure to do the only thing that will take all the pressure off. It's pressure to do the thing that will actually restore you to handle all of the other pressure. But it is difficult for us in a culture like ours that believes you should book every minute with something, usually not with the right things. It's hard for us to figure out how to carve out 24 hours. And, and so what is Sabbath supposed to look like? Is it supposed to look like the, you know, the Jewish kind of rituals of starting with a, with a very kind of prescribed Seder meal with certain foods and certain scripture readings and kind of very liturgical, right at sundown on Friday night and, and you continue, you don't do anything until sundown on Saturday night. Are we supposed to follow this kind of, this tradition of the Jews? Or is there, are we supposed to just make it up and we kind of spend 24 hours just living it up, doing whatever we want, however we want, and just try to forget about the rest of the world? Well, I think like anything, when we need to learn how we were intended to live, we have to look at scripture and build from there. We have to look at what the word says for us. And today, I don't wanna just look at the why of Sabbath. We've looked at that a little bit the last couple of weeks. I wanna look at the how of Sabbath. What does the Bible actually say about how to Sabbath. And to, to look at that, we're gonna look at a couple different scriptures, but we're gonna start in Exodus chapter 20, where God took the Sabbath principle of creation, the Sabbath principle he designed us with, the Sabbath principle that he operated under when he built this world, and asks us to as well, and he instilled that same Sabbath principle in the culture of the Jews, the Israelites, as he was taking them out of slavery in Egypt and telling them how to live as a people built on the principles of his kingdom. Now, the, the, the Mosaic law was a law helping the Jews to build a culture that looked like the kingdom. And Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled some parts of that law and said, hey, that's all God wanted, it's done. There were other parts of the law that he says, yeah, that was just for the Jews, it's not for every Christian. And then there are other parts that he continues on. And, and essentially what we should know is that the principles behind the law, we continue to live out as Christians, but not always in the prescribed ways that the Jews did. One of the things that does remain consistent for us, though, are the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were the top ten commands, cultural rules that God gave the Israelites, and he built all of the other commands off of those. Those are still extremely relevant for us today. Interestingly, one of the most important commands, one of the top ten, you know, you, you think about there are hundreds of laws in the Old Testament, so for it to make the top ten, it's a big deal. And the fourth rule in the top ten rules is this, in Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now that's a command, but there's also a hint in there as to how we should do Sabbath. And I'm gonna give you four, really the four biblical rules that I have found about Sabbath. The four biblical things that you have to do for it to be Sabbath. And rule number one, from the fourth commandment in the 10 commandments is that we have to reserve some time if it's gonna be Sabbath. We have to reserve something to be special. You know, when you make a reservation, you are reserving a spot for something special to happen. You know, when you know that you want something to take place and you don't want it to just kind of get missed in the mix, you reserve it, you set it aside. And we are called to remember 
the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath, to keep it holy. The word holy means set apart, unlike anything else. It is different from everything else. It's set apart from everything else. It's reserved aside from everything else. And the first rule of Sabbath is that we have to set apart time dedicated to what God says is important. Sabbath is about taking most seriously what God says is most important. And we reserve time to do that because you can't do it without time. And God says, take a day and reserve it for Sabbath. And Sabbath, it's important to remember that there are things that God thinks are important, that because we're built in his image, they're important to us even if we don't always feel like it. They're more important to us than we realize most of the time. And so we reserve the time to focus on those things. And it's good to remember when you go into Sabbath that Sabbath isn't all about you. You know, my wife and I got to celebrate our anniversary this last week, and we made some reservations, and we did some different things, and we planned some things for each other that the other one didn't know about. Why? Because it was important. It was worth celebrating. It was worth thinking about the other person, not just about us. And Sabbath is meant to be a date with God every week. It's meant to be a time of reconnecting with God every week. It's meant to be a time of friendship and intimacy with God every week. But we have to make the reservation. We have to reserve the time. We have to dedicate it, set it apart, and say, this is going to happen. One way or another, it might flex a little bit, look a little bit different, but it's going to happen. That's rule number one. Don't compromise on whether you Sabbath or not. Sabbath. Now he goes on to explain a little bit more in verses 9 and 10 He says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Bummer. This includes you, your sons and daughters, no chores, kids, your male and female servants, I don't know if you have one of those, your livestock, my dog never did any work anyways, and any foreigners living among you. Rule number two is what we know about Sabbath. Rule number two of Sabbath is rest. Don't do any work. One day a week, don't do any work for 24 hours. That means don't work at your job, and that means don't work around the house. And most of us really like to do one of those two things. And maybe we should put some boundaries on some of those things, but what I want you to know is that when it comes to Sabbath, don't answer your emails. In fact, turn the notifications off. When it comes to Sabbath, don't work on your projects. When it comes to Sabbath, don't work on what's broken around the house. When it comes to Sabbath, we do this crazy thing at Sabbath. We surrender control. See, work is often the way that we try to have control. Now, there's a part of that that's good. There's a part of work where we do what we were gifted to do, what we were called to do. We find purpose in it. We find significance in it. We make a difference in the world around us. Through it. Those are all good things. But sometimes when we are insecure in ourselves, we latch onto those things as if that is where we find ourselves, in the purpose. But there's a deeper identity than even the purpose we were given. And when we say, God, I still have emails to answer, but I'm not going to look at them for another 24 hours. Man, there's still problems I need to solve, but they're going to wait for 24 hours. God, there's some things that I'd really like to be done and I need to take care of, but I'm going to wait for 24 hours. We release control to God and we surrender to him being more in control than we are. And one day a week, it's really important for us to do that. The other six days, 
Go hard, work hard. Get stuff done. Make things happen. But one day a week, we surrender our ability to make things happen and we trust God to make it happen. We trust God to take care of the rest. We release control to him. So for it to be Sabbath, you have to reserve it and you have to rest. No more work. Now, in Deuteronomy 5, just a couple books over, we see Moses preaching the Ten Commandments back to Israel 40 years later, right? They got the Ten Commandments coming out of, out of Egypt, and then they spent 40 years wandering in the desert because they made some decisions and didn't listen to God, didn't do what God encouraged them to do. They spent 40 years wandering. They're about to enter the Promised Land, and so Moses is re-preaching the original sermons He's re-preaching the Ten Commandments, but he has 40 years of reflection now. And I want you to hear the same commandment re-preached, but notice the extra piece that he adds at the end. I'll pick up in, in Deuteronomy 5.13, where Moses writes, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, house, job, all that stuff. The seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Verse 15, check this out. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. 40 years of Sabbathing, and Moses says, I know why God wants us to do this. I figured out why God commanded us to do the Sabbath. I figured out why God doesn't want us to fill our time with all these other tasks. Because God wants us to reflect on where we've come from, on where God's taking us, on who God has revealed himself to be in our lives, on who we have found ourselves to be, apart from what we've accomplished on one day or another, God wants to remind us of who he is, who we are, and what this life is all about. So the third rule of Sabbath is to reflect, is to remember who God is and what he's done for you. You know, the, the, it was important, Moses realized it was going to be important for the Israelites to realize that they had once been slaves, but they're not slaves anymore. Do you know when you, when you work seven days without resting, do you know what you are? You're a slave. You're a slave to something. You're a slave to your own drive. You're a slave to a job. You're a slave to a list of projects. You're a slave to something when you work seven days without rest. But when you stop to reflect, you realize that there's more to life than your job. You realize there's more to life than a broken down car or a leaky roof or, or a bill that needs to get paid. You realize that those, those things are real and they're problems that you face and you do need to spend six days a week navigating some of the pressures of this world. One day a week you stop to remember, this is not all that I am. I'm not just a money-making machine. I'm not just a Mr. Fix-It. I'm not just a diaper-changing, clothes-shopping, food-cooking mom. I, I am a human being made in the image of God that God loves and he cares about and he died on the cross for me and he rose from the dead for me and he has heaven in store for me because he loves me. And you know when you take that moment to remember who you are, it changes the way you do what you do. You do your work, whatever it is, job, parenthood, taking care of a home, and you do it unto the Lord as a son and daughter of God, not as a workhorse just trying to produce something. 
We have to take the time to reserve and rest so that we can reflect and remember who we are. Remember what's most important in life. Remember what life is really all about. And when we do that, there's only one response that's appropriate. And I want to take you to Isaiah 58, another season in the nation of Israel where they had lost their way, they had lost their identity, and the prophet Isaiah was trying to remind them, was inspired by God to remind them of who they are, and he told them what they should be doing with Sabbath. By this point, Sabbath had become the religious practice of the Jews. They had it dialed into a T, they had begun to form all the laws and rules around it, so people did Sabbath, but they weren't experiencing Sabbath. And as a result, the rest of their week when they weren't going to church and acting like a Christian, they were doing all the things that Christians should never do. Oh wait, that was the Jews, not us today. And because of that, they were reaping results in their culture and as individuals that they never wanted to reap, that God never wanted for them. They were not flourishing because they were not Sabbathing the way that God intended. Because you can reserve and you can rest and maybe you can even reflect, but if you don't do this fourth part, you will miss out on the rejuvenating properties of Sabbath. And so in Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14, notice some of the words used in this poetic word. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything that you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly because then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance that I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Do you notice the words in there? He says, don't, don't just follow your own instincts. Don't just follow whatever, whatever impulse comes into your head. Don't just follow your own interests and what you have to do to control your life. He says, no, 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 no. Keep the Sabbath holy and delight in the Lord. Find joy in what God has done for you. Find joy in who God is. And he's like, and then do you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna come and I'm gonna satisfy you like you've never been satisfied. I'm gonna give you delight like you can only dream of. I have an inheritance for you that you don't even know about that I just want to introduce you to. And do you know that's the desire of God for you? God's not like, you better Sabbath or else. God's like, you better Sabbath or else. You're gonna die slowly. He's like, I have an inheritance over here and it's waiting for you in eternity, but there's a way for you to taste it right now. There's a way for you to taste it every week. There's a way for you to taste it and carry it into your jobs and your families. And that way is Sabbath, where we taste of the eternal inheritance of God. And so the, the rule of Sabbath, the fourth rule of Sabbath is to revel in the goodness of God to revel in who he is, to enjoy it, to celebrate it, to party it up unto God and in his presence. God wants you to enjoy Sabbath. He wants Sabbath to be one big party, but there's an interesting thing woven throughout Sabbath. It all has to be connected to God. It all has to be directed to Jesus. Because when you party without God, it doesn't restore you. It might waste time, it might waste brain cells, it might waste something or distract you for a little while, but rest without God isn't rest. 
Partying without God isn't rejuvenating. But when you rest and celebrate in connection to God, it rejuvenates you. You know, the goal isn't on Sabbath to avoid thinking. Sometimes my, I'm so overwhelmed mentally by, by pressures in life that I'm like, if I could just turn the brain off, if I could just stop thinking. And God's like, no, 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 that's not the way that it works. You just need to turn your thinking onto something else. You need to turn your eyes onto something better. Your focus needs to change a little bit. And on Sabbath, we change our focus from the dirt and the problems in front of us. We change our focus to the horizon of eternity that's waiting for us. And we begin to enjoy it in the, in the day-to-day. We begin to think about what matters most. So you're supposed to come home on Sabbath, and instead of just forgetting about work, you're supposed to remember your kids. Instead of just forgetting about the pressures of work, you're supposed to remember the shelter that's over your head and the food that's in your fridge. You're supposed to begin to revel in the blessings that God has given you, not just the areas of lack in your life. And you're supposed to celebrate those things by experiencing them. And when we revel in who God is, when we enjoy him, and it starts by enjoying his word, by enjoying his presence, those are things that you would expect, right? That we wanna spend time in God's word and in prayer and in worship and enjoy God's presence. And, and maybe many of you experienced that this morning in our time of worship. You're like, yes, this is where I wanna be. Thank you, Jesus. And isn't it amazing you walk in sleepy and 20 minutes later, you're like, God, why, why did I think about sleeping in this morning? God, why did I think, oh, I should go to church today? Right, like I am, the, I am the king of like wanting to avoid social events and Jeanette's like, come on, we should go. And I'm like, I don't really wanna go. I think a lot of husbands do this. We're like, ah, I just wanna stay home. She's like, no, we should go, we should go. And then I get there in 10 minutes and I'm like, this is the best. I love this party, I love these people. Woo! And Jeanette's like, I told you so. And I'm like, I must be a really good husband then. No, just kidding. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, we are meant to enjoy God that way, to get into his presence and into his word and we suddenly remember how good he is, right? But it's not just that, we're also supposed to enjoy his blessings in our life by enjoying your home, enjoy the closest relationships around you, enjoy his creation, right? And the way that we celebrate all those things in his presence, you're not meant to just like sit in a corner and pray all day. You're meant to spend a little time sitting and praying and having that direct moment with God. But then, you're, then he's like, hey, let's go enjoy the food I gave you. I'm always like, amen to that. And, and as you're eating the food, God, thank you for providing this for me. Let's go enjoy the home I, I, I gave you. Let's go enjoy the family, the friends that I've given you. And everywhere that you enjoy something good that's in your life, you give God the glory for it. And there's an overwhelming amount of joy when you connect the good things of, in your life with gratitude to God. There's an overwhelming amount of delight that you will take both in those things and in God. But when you don't connect the things with God, you don't have long-lasting delight in them or in God because it's meant to be one big life experience. So we're meant to reserve the time. We're meant to rest and to reflect and to revel in that time. And if it doesn't involve enjoying God, then it's probably not Sabbath. If you're not, if whatever you do on Sabbath doesn't make you delight in God more, you shouldn't do that on Sabbath. Stop doing that on Sabbath. 
So those are the four rules of Sabbath. And I know some of you, you know, some of you have asked me, you're like, I can't wait for you to tell me what to do on Sabbath. Somebody even told me last week, they're like, I started great, I spent some time in the Word, it was solid, and then I kind of got beyond that, and I was like, okay, uh, I've got a list of chores that I'm not allowed to do. What do I do? Valid question, right? And somebody else that, that literally said to me this last week, they're like, I'm setting aside the time, but I have no idea what to do. I can't wait until you tell us what to do. I'm like, I love you. You are a good Christian. <laughs> but here's the reality. These are the four things the Bible tells us to do. And beyond that, there's not some detailed prescription. In fact, Jesus kind of got on the Pharisees because they turned the principles of Sabbath into this, this handbook of rules that you had to do it this way or you were a bad Jew. You were a bad follower of God, and it isn't that way. We have these broad principles that we are meant to apply in a variety of ways. In fact, the New Testament, even beyond Jesus' correction of the Pharisees, tells us to be careful of making it too rule-oriented. In Colossians 2, 16 and 17, it says, Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is the reality. So do you know what that means? That there's not a perfect way of doing Sabbath that you should feel guilty about not doing. Right? If anything, we should remind ourselves that when we don't do Sabbath, our life ends up getting quenched. Right? Our life ends up drying up and dying. But what we should remember is that Jesus is the core reality of Sabbath and that enjoying Jesus is what Sabbath is all about. If we begin to turn Sabbath into, okay, Sound Life Church, between Friday night at sundown and Saturday night and sundown, nobody better do anything or I'm coming to get you. That's the way the Pharisees were, right? You post the wrong thing on social media, we all know you weren't Sabbathing. No, that's legalism. That's legalism. That's not the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to get the spirit of it, which is delight in Jesus himself. Connect the Jesus that created you and created the world and saved you. Connect your life and world with him and enjoy it is what Sabbath is all about. So the biblical standard for Sabbath is to reserve one full day a week to intentionally rest, reflect, and revel in Jesus in the midst of a demanding life. That's the rule of Sabbath. That's the rule of Sabbath. And I don't wanna give you more rules, but I also realize that sometimes in a culture where we're taught to fill every moment with the opposite of Sabbath, it is helpful to have some starting points. So I wanna end by giving you some common practices that help us Sabbath. And some of these are taken from the Jewish tradition and experience, the Christian tradition and experience. And I'm gonna share some things that just the Bryant family is trying out as we're figuring out what Sabbath looks like for us. But the first thing and the most important part of Sabbath is that you have to pray a lot. Pray a lot. And if you're not sure how to pray or you don't feel like you're a good prayer, you're wrong. You're a great prayer. Praying is just like talking to yourself but knowing that God's listening. Right? And some of you know how to do that. Right? Praying is just like talking to God about anything and everything. Do you know that often my first prayer on Sabbath morning, it's not that spiritual. My first prayer to Jesus is usually like, oh, Father, thank you, that's good coffee. <laughs> right? 
He's not, and he, now maybe as I get into the word and I, I open my journal and I begin kind of just slowly processing my devotions for that day, there might be some more spiritual prayers that come from that. But my prayer life goes beyond that. And I, you know, as I'm eating a meal later that day, I'm talking with food in my mouth, Jesus, thank you for this food. That's, that's real. And it's good and it's Sabbath. When I look out the window and I see my backyard, I'm like, Father, thank you for giving me a backyard. I didn't always have a backyard. Father, thank you for a roof over my head. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for money in my bank account. I didn't always have money in my bank account. Father, thank you for a wife and kids. Father, thank you for friends. Thank you for my church. You know, I begin to just, everything that comes to mind, I'm like, God, thank you for that. God, thank you for that. If work comes to mind, I'm like, God, that's your problem today. <laughs> Which is true. And God's like, thank you for remembering that. Right? And we begin to just articulate every thought, every thought and feeling to God. He knows it anyways. But when you articulate it, it makes it relational rather than isolational. Right? There's value in you articulating your thoughts and feelings to God. And primarily, here's the best practice of Sabbath. Practice being thankful and saying thank you to God for everything. When you wake up in the morning and you don't have to jump out of bed and your bed's all cozy and you're like, mm, I get to stay in bed this morning. One day a week I get to stay in bed. I'm like, mm, Lord, thank you for this bed. I'm slowly make my way to coffee. Wait for the coffee. Drink the coffee. God, thank you for this coffee. Right? And I just move slowly through the day and just try to thank God and be aware of God and connect every moment in my day with God. And when the stress comes to mind, God, would you take that away? Connect it to God, right? So pray a lot. And I'll just say that our practice, even with our kids, they all have a, a kid Bible that's age appropriate. And we, as we wake up, the first thing we do is just take some unhurried time in the Bible. Take some unhurried time. And I'll tell you what, those journals are the best way to develop your prayer life. Read the word, write a little bit about it. Listen, God, do you have anything to say to me? If you feel and put a thought on your heart, write that down. That's the way that we learn to pray, right? If you haven't gotten a journal, they have them at the welcome table out there, but grab those and use them to practice connection with God. And by the way, coffee and donuts while you're reading the Bible and praying is totally permitted, <laughs> especially on Sabbath. It might even be required. Which brings me to the second principle of Sabbath, which is this is a principle from the beginning, I mean, from the beginning of Jewish practice. You have to eat a lot. You got that? Eat a lot. In fact, what should happen is the best meal of your week should be on Sabbath. That, that's the way it was meant to be. That you, you eat disciplined and you work disciplined and you live disciplined all through the week, six days a week, discipline, 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 because your life matters, you're producing something, God's given you purpose, all those things are good things. You wanna steward your body and your gifts and your talents well, but one day a week, you remind yourself that there's more to life than discipline, and you eat good. And so sometimes you have to dial back the food you're eating during the week to make the feast even better. But do you know, when we feast, we celebrate God. Eating food is a symbol of life. Jesus broke bread at the communion table and said, this is my body broken for you. Eating food is symbolic of celebrating life. So we celebrate the life that God has given us in a very simple, practical, every culture understands this, though in some they eat ants, which don't taste good. I can tell you from my experience with Cameron, he's not in here, so I can say that. 
But every culture has its, has its feasting. And we feast, and for, for our family, on, we try to be careful of what we eat during the week. We, we're limited on desserts. We limit on, on some of the quantities and some of those things. We try to be frugal with our grocery budget, but when it comes to Sabbath, baby, it's all yes and amen. <laughs> we were having the burchettes over for dinner last night, and, and Saturday night has become the start of our Sabbath, and so on Saturday night, we want to have a big meal with our kids. In fact, in order to have Sabbath, do you know what Saturday is? It's chore day. Our kids hate chore day, but you know what our kids know? They know that at five o'clock on chore day, it's not chore day anymore, it's Sabbath day. This is just in the last few weeks. They're learning the rhythms and there's some grumbling and complaining in the troops, I'll just tell you that. <laughs> so chore day, they're like, oh, and I'm just like, hey, at five o'clock, we're gonna be done. We're gonna call it quits. Chore day, it's, it's all over at five o'clock. So yesterday afternoon, you know, you'd hear a kid occasionally throughout the house, what time is it? And then at one point, Sam yelled out, he's like, it's four minutes till five o'clock. <laughs> you know, they're just like, they get it. There's time to work hard, but then there's time to rest. So the beginning of Sabbath should be a feast. And so we were having friends over, so Jeanette and I are like, well, should we do fish or should we do chicken? Both. <laughs> right? Should we do, should, should we bake rolls or should we make potatoes? Both. Should we do vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream? Yes, both. Should we do chocolate sauce or Oreo crumbles? Both, right? It's just like when it comes to Sabbath, it's game on, baby, eat. And all the time I'm like, you know, when, you, when you're not feasting all week and then you feast, you're like, God, thank you. Thank you for the bounty. Thank you for more food on the table than I can fit on my plate. Thank you for, for dessert. Thank you for the sweetness of life, Jesus. Thank you. So eat as a celebration and worship to God. Have a feast. And you know what? It doesn't always have to be a lot of work. If there's only one person that cooks in your family, maybe you take the pressure off. Because sometimes a Sabbath feast for us is Papa Murphy's. Right? It's like, and, and then we talk about, well, should we get this pizza or that pizza? Both! The only thing better than one pizza is more pizza, right? And then often we do donuts the next morning. This morning I got up early because we're practicing Sabbath and I took my kids to get donuts on the way to church. Why? Because it's Sabbath, baby. I want them to enjoy. Now you're like, don't give your children diabetes because of Sabbath. I, true. The rest of the week, we're careful about it. That brings me to the third thing, the third principle of Sabbath, the third practice is to rest a lot. Rest a lot. Sit still in one in the most comfy chair in your house for 30 minutes. Look out your window at the one part of your yard that you don't need to landscape this summer and sit there and be like, God, that part of my yard's pretty. Thank you. Right? Take a nap and don't set an alarm. Rest. Move slowly. If you're somebody that you're like, hey, Caleb, I kind of rest by working with my hands and stuff like that, that's fine, but don't do a project you have to do. Tinker with something you get to tinker with. Mess with something and do it slowly. You're not in a hurry to get it done, right? Move slowly. Don't do any projects. Take a walk outside and turn the calorie counter and the step counter off and just walk and say, wow, God, thank you for creating a world for me to live in right? Take all the, the measurements off and just enjoy life, rest. 
for us, do you know what this looks like? In order to help myself slow down a little bit and focus my, my overactive brain on things that don't matter, I've been reading the same science fiction novels that my teenage daughters are reading. It's kind of a confession moment. You're like, Caleb, wow. And I'll tell you what, they're actually not that bad. And you know what's amazing? Is that none of it matters. I'm like reading about elves and magic and things like that. And I'm like, I don't care what happens, but it, I'm just, my brain is focused on it. And then, you know, I talk with the girls about it. I'm like, I can't believe so-and-so did that. Can you believe Sophia the elf did that? And they're like, I know, wait till you see what happens next, right? So there's this connecting moment with them. By the way, you don't have to read science fiction novels, especially middle school girl ones. But I'm connecting with my daughters and not thinking about it. So I slow down that way. I literally sit in one chair, drink a cup of coffee, and stare at a section of my yard that, that is beautiful, that I don't have to worry about. I will take a nap. I wear my comfiest jeans that I'm not allowed to wear to work. Right? Like, I rest in God's provision. So there's some guys, okay, is there any guys in the room, you have some comfy jeans and your wife's like, you're not allowed to wear those away from the house. And you're like, but they're still good and they're my comfiest jeans. Nobody, okay. Maybe your sweatpants people. Enjoy those sweatpants. So rest, do what it is to rest. The fourth thing is that you need to connect a lot. Spend quality time with the most important people in your life. It might be immediate family, it might be friends. But you should spend time with the people in your life. Spend time playing games, telling stories, laughing together. Do dumb things that make you laugh more. Because you know what you don't have time for a lot of times in the bustle of life is to laugh. Right? Look at family pictures and remember. Remember your childhood. Remember different things. Here's one. All the teenagers in the room, you should plug your ears right now. Warning been given. Make love to your spouse. Do you know that was common Jewish practice is that if you, had, you make love to your spouse on Sabbath? Why? Because sex done in the context of a covenant marriage, everything in a covenant marriage, this is why sex is reserved for marriage. A covenant marriage is unto God. Sex outside of marriage is unto yourself. It's, it's something that becomes unholy and self-worshipping outside of marriage, but in marriage, it's worship to God. Think about that. Take that to the bank. God, I'm doing this for you. But here's the thing, on Sabbath, spend the richest moments in your richest relationships. Make love to your spouse, romance your spouse. This is not a time for that seven minute devotional moment, right? Too many husbands have tried that. Wow. This is church, sorry. I am confident that 99% of what I just said is biblical. 1 Corinthians 7, read it for yourselves. Right, connect in the deepest possible ways. Adventure with your kids. Do crazy things with your kids that you never do the rest of the week. Right, have close friends over just to chill, hang out. Serve people because you can, not because you have to. Isn't that amazing? You know if you serve at church, you know serving at church is a whole different feeling than doing what you have to do at work. Because you can, not because you have to. Which brings me to go to church. Going to church is the oldest tradition of Christian Sabbath. Going to synagogue was the tradition of Jewish Sabbath. That the community of believers, it's not just about you, it's about God gathering his family. I heard someone say the other day, I don't think my husband and I are ever gonna come back to church after COVID. We just get what we want out of church online. 
So we love online church. We're never going back to church. And it broke my heart. Do you know why? Not because they're being fed at home, but because God's not being fed what he deserves. You know, I can call my mom on Thanksgiving and she appreciates the phone call, but do you know what she loves? She loves when all of her kids come home for Thanksgiving. God loves it when you come and worship him with his family on, on Sunday mornings, right? He loves it when you gather with his, his people and it refreshes you in ways you can't do for yourself. So in the Bryant family, Sabbath looks like date nights. Sabbath looks like hikes with the kids. Sabbath looks like board games. Sabbath looks like hanging out with friends. Sabbath looks like those things in all three. And I'm like, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. But the last thing that, that is important, practical piece of Sabbath, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, is that in order to do all those other things without stress, you have to prepare a lot. You have to work all week to not work on Sabbath, Right? You have to prepare your spirit throughout the week with daily devotions. The purpose of daily devotions is to prepare you for a great Sabbath. The purpose of Sabbath is to prepare you for a great eternity. Isn't that a great thing? God has a taste for you every day that reminds you of a taste every week that reminds you of a taste that will never leave for eternity. Devotions during the day, devotions all weekend, devotion for eternity but you have to prepare your heart for that. When you have stressful moments in the week, when I'm learning to do this, when I have a stressful moment in the week, I'm like, God, I can't wait for Sabbath. God, this week's hard, but that means Sabbath is gonna be sweet. God, I can't wait to not deal with this for one day on Sabbath this weekend, right? Begin to anticipate the joy of Sabbath. Prepare your home and schedule ahead of time. Do you know what that means? That means that your grocery shopping has to happen ahead of time so that it's not stressful on Sabbath. It means that your errands have to happen ahead of time. It means that your cleaning of the house, your yard work has to happen. In the Bryant house, that means the evenings and Saturdays are our work time for the home so that we can actually rest and not do other tasks on Sabbath. That takes a level of planning and discipline that we haven't lived with prior to this. Sometimes you have to shuffle days because of a moving work schedule. That's okay. It's not about one specific day. It's about what you do with that 24-hour period that you reserve that you use for rest, reflection, and to revel, right? That's what it's about. The biblical standard for Sabbath is to reserve one full day a week to intentionally rest, reflect, and revel in Jesus in the midst of a demanding life. Do you know all these things are not, they're not what you do when life is easy because life will never be easy. They're what you do because life is hard. They're what you do because only through resting and reflecting on what Jesus has done for you will you survive the challenges of a broken world. Will you remember who you are, that you are not a slave to your circumstances, you are not a slave to the job that you do or the situation that you are in. You are a son and daughter of God that lives with purpose and love and joy because of what God has done for you. Sabbath is where we remember that and reroute ourselves in that reality. And as we close today, I just wanna remind you of Jesus's invitation to Sabbath because sometimes we can start to feel, we can so easily make it a rule in our heads. But I was reminded this week from Matthew chapter 11 of Jesus's heart for you in Sabbath. Now I want you to hear this. This is Jesus's heart for you. This is what he's inviting you into. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Do you know the yoke of Jesus is delight? It's delight. 
Because Jesus is so humble, he wants to teach you how to Sabbath. You know, my hope for us as a church is that over the next few minutes, we, or over the next few months, that we learn how to Sabbath. And so I would just say, experiment. Take some of these principles and begin practicing them in your household, in your life, the best way that you know how. And when you realize something is a distraction from Jesus instead of delighting in Jesus, don't do that anymore. If somebody asked me yesterday, they're like, so are you gonna let us watch football on Sabbath? I'm like, I am not the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus is, remember? We talked about this. And here's what I would say is, if watching a football game with all your friends helps you just like experience Jesus and celebrate Jesus and, and experience his presence, that's great. But if you end that football game and you are more stressed out than you are at the end of your work week, more grieved than you are when a family member dies, we all know, then that's probably not a, a connecting point between you and Jesus. And maybe record the game and watch it later, right? Wow, technology can help you Sabbath too. So all these things, we wanna come to Jesus because he's like, hey, come here. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know life's kicking your butt. Come here, come here. You know, if you have kids, you know, sometimes they just like wear themselves out and then they're like crying and they don't even know why. Maybe that's just in my family. Sometimes as an adult, I feel that way with God. I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong, God. I just am a mess right now. I'm just tired out. And it's just a great moment when I have the presence of mind as a parent and I don't always to just say, hey, come here, come here. It's gonna be all right. Let's work through this together. And Sabbath is that moment where at the end of the week when you're frantic or frustrated or stressed or whatever, where Jesus says, hey, come here. We're gonna figure this out. Let's take the tw next 24 hours and let's kind of reorient and then we'll go, we'll go back at this together. But let's just settle down for a minute and remember that life is not that bad. It's not the end of the world. That's what Jesus has for you. And imagine if a whole community of Christians began doing that together in a larger community that is constantly stressed out, worn out, at each other's throats, doing crazy things that normal human beings should never do, saying and thinking crazy things, running after every impulse and never feeling satisfied. What if they saw a community of people that were so satisfied, they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm Sabbathing. Like, oh, day off? You Seventh-day Adventist? Jewish? What? No, I'm Sabbathing. Sabbath is actually how you enjoy life with Jesus. Let me teach you how to do that, right? What would happen? It changes the world. Sabbath is not just about you. If you make it about you, you stop Sabbathing. When you make it about Jesus, he makes it about you. It's this amazing thing with God. Let's be people who Sabbath and enjoy the rich goodness of our God, delight in our God, not miss another day or another week without tasting the goodness that all of eternity will be filled with. And out of Sabbath, life does become an adventure. Life does become a feast. Life does become that rich thing that we long for it to be. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? You know, these next three days with Renew Conference, we have an awesome opportunity to start fresh Renew Conference is kind of like our church Sabbath, our community Sabbath, to come and just 
richly soak in the presence of God. But right now, I want you just in this moment to make a decision to Sabbath. To just say, God, I don't have it all figured out, but Jesus, I'm gonna come running to you. I'm gonna reserve the time. I'm gonna commit to resting even if it's uncomfortable. I'm gonna try to reflect on the things that you want me to reflect on, not the pressures of this world. And I need you to teach me how to revel in life the way it was meant to be reveled in. And if you will offer those things to Jesus, he'll say, I'm humble, I'm gentle in heart, I'm gonna teach you the way. So Father, we come to you as a church today Lord, people that are weary and burdened with a, with a challenging world, challenging lives, all sorts of responsibilities that are often bigger than we can handle. And we need your rest for our souls. So would you lead us as individuals? Would you lead us as a church community into that sweet place in your presence where we live the life that you meant us to live? And as you restore and flourish us, would it lead to the restoration and flourishing of other people? And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.